0: Hey, take a look now, if you will, over in First Kings, and I'm going to have to go a little quicker, all right, today. Uh, but I just want you to see some things. I was go- I was thinking about just doing something like that, but I wanted to go ahead and do kind of a kickoff of our of our series today, the strength to overcome, because because I think it's so I think it's so appropriate to talk about things like this when things hit you. You know, where do you find the strength to overcome? And 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 again, I don't want to over dramatize anything because there are so many things that are harder to overcome than just a, a, a you know a hurricane, right? Uh, I mean, it was hard enough, right? and you know it was hot and and I found out for myself, uh, you know, come on, Jeff, you know, just because you can't get your Circle K Diet Coke every day, that things are all right, you know. And so I, I began to think. You know, I began to think to myself, you know, when we when to share with you about this, you know, the strength overcome again. I'm just going to present kind of the problem today. But I so want you to see it. Everyone in the room, whether you're a believer or not, will identify with what I'm talking about. Because it's something that all of us, all of us face. And it has to do, it has to do with the with the word content, right? Content. And being content, and what does that even look like? You know, God created you to be content, and uh, and obviously, as we just talked about, is that is that when we're not content, that what will that's what will cause us to kind of do crazy things, because that's what we long to be. We long to content. Another word for content is being at peace. And here, I don't use that anymore because that's so o- overused and. And almost gets a little weird, you know, when you talk about that. But both of them, I use them interchangeable, the word content. And I want you to understand the things that make you discontent are the things that in, in many ways control you, right? And what you do to, to fill that gap. You'll see what I mean in just a minute. It's kind of the struggle, and it's been the struggle for a long time. And, and what do we do? What do we turn to? What do we go to? That, that, that brings those things that we long for into our lives. The problem is, as we talked about during the time, the problem is, is that you were created with eternity in your heart. We've already read about that. God's put, God's put the long term in your brain, but everything you live around is temporary. And there's a, I've learned this, uh, I didn't learn much in economics, right? Um, I got bruises on my forehead in economics class, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'd wake up, i just, it, it didn't click for me. But there's one thing I do remember, and there was a law called the law of diminishing returns, all right, and the law of diminishing returns says this, all right, that when you go to something at first, it's awesome, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But then the second times, it's still pretty cool, but not near as cool, all right? But then the third, fourth, fifth, and for long, okay, it's not, the, it's not the cool thing that it was, all right? And so shelf life, you know, all the stuff in economics, that's the why they do it. But I want you to see something with this for you personally, because everybody in the room, everybody in the room, including yours truly, especially yours truly, is going to something. You're counting on something. What is it when people get discontent with something that can make some of the dumbest decisions? And guys, I'm not talking about a handful of you. I'm talking about all of us. We've been there at one time or another in our life or probably or could be there right now because there's this longing inside for something to to fill that place. Now, And then what we fill it with, what happens is the law of diminishing return, you know, it's cool at first. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But then it wanes, you know, and then before long, you got to throw that away and go find something else. And so that search, that search is not a new one. Okay. And a guy by the name of Solomon. Okay. If you have a Bible, turn to first Kings, a guy by the name of Solomon I want you to see, I want you to see him because he explains it better than anyone else. Because I want you to know what it, what it means to live, to live at peace in here. After a man loses his family, how in the world can he write a song like it is well? How is that even possible with my soul? Because you have to understand that the thing that you're longing for the most is gonna be found in having a relationship with God, right? And you're gonna see that in just a minute. And, and, and you're saying, well, Jeff, you know, that just sounds so you know, theory or metaphysical, whatever you wanna call it, people call it. But it's really not. If you'll just hang with me here and walk through, you'll see how tangible this really is. Now, I want you to say, I only have two things I wanna to talk to you about today. All right, number one is Solomon started well. And then number two, Solomon lost focus. Now, I'm gonna to have to blow through this pretty quick, but I wanna give you that, that, I want you to know that there was nobody in all of the Bible that started as well as Solomon. He was, he was absolutely content in being who God had called him to be. But when he lost focus, boy, he train wrecked in a hurry. And it's an incredible thing to see in his life so let's, let's, let's talk about how, how well he started. Now, who is Solomon? Solomon was a king of Israel. He was actually the third. There was Saul, then there was King David. He was the best king that Israel ever had. He was an incredible man. He made some mistakes, but he was incredible. In fact, it was said of David that he was a man after God's own heart. But Solomon, David's son, when David died, Solomon took over and he was a younger man. And God made him a promise and said, you know, Solomon, what is it that you need? What is it that you want more than anything? And as opposed to Solomon asking for all these power and riches and all the different things, he asked God for wisdom. Not for himself, but wisdom to be able to rule people fairly. And so so God granted that to him. And that's where we're going to pick up in 1 Kings. There's so much more to this I don't have time to talk about, but I just want you to see how, how well he started. And I want you to see the peace and contentment that he lived with and what was it that caused him to go a different direction. So let's take a look at it, all right? Take a look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 4. And, uh, and this is after, this is after Solomon asked, God to give him wisdom. And so this is what God did in, in 1 Kings 4 verse 29 says, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, interesting, and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east, all the wisdom of Egypt. Okay, For he was wiser than all the other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezraite. And you gotta like it that he man, right?" I guess, all right? Heman maybe, He-Man, all right? All right, He-Man and then those other guys, all right? And his fame uh, was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 Proverbs, uh, 1,005 songs. And it says here he spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. Beasts, birds, reptiles, fish. So he had not just spiritual wisdom, but God gave him a mind to be able to see things and to figure them out. And see, with that comes comes incredible prosperity for the people because he not only knows, he not only knows about the spiritual things, but he knows about the financial things. He knows about agriculture, you know, the trees, and he knows about the animals. And so he can give a lot of instruction so, so ultimately, a huge era of prosperity happened. And because Solomon, at first at least, he saw that he was here as a servant to his people, which was rare in a king, by the way. I tell you what, I'm convinced that anybody who wants to be in charge doesn't need to be in charge. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, when you see yourself as being in charge, you're you're in trouble already. But when you see anyone who has authority, when you see that your job is to serve those around you with what God's given you, then that's a whole different ball game. Okay, and that's what Solomon saw at first. Okay, and so anyway, so basically, I, and then people came from all all over into the nations. Take a look at the rest of it, uh, and. They came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Okay, so he became kind of a famous guy for for being able to figure things out, to be able to talk about a lot of different subjects, different things like that. Now, I'm gonna have to move past that quickly, but also um, he built the temple and uh, it was just in his heart. David had raised the money for it, which by the way, that's the hard part. And, and it already read. And so Solomon, he got it together, but since God had given him a lot of wisdom, he was able to not only do it, but to do it well and, uh, and architecturally and everything else. And so on the day of the dedication, I want you just to see where Solomon's heart was. On the day of the dedication of the temple, this is what Solomon said. Take a look, and I want you to hear where his heart and where his mind. And I want you to hear the contentment with who he was in God, just ooze out of what he's saying. Take a look at it in chapter eight, first Kings chapter eight and uh, verse 56. It says, blessed be the Lord who has given rest, peace, contentment to his people, Israel, according to all that he'd promised Right. Continue uh, toward. No, uh, not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he spoke by Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us, as he was with our fathers. Uh, May he not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to him to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, his rules, uh, which he commanded our fathers. Let these words of mine. with which I have pleaded before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night and may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of the people of Israel as each day requires, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. Let your heart therefore be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statues, keeping his commandments uh, as at this day. Do you hear him? I mean, he's in a great place. he's waking up looking forward to the day every day he wakes up because he's in a good place. And a lot of people may say, well, yeah, Jeff, if you were able to do all the things he was able and you were king, you'd be in a good place too. I want you to know that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You'll see. I just want you to see. Also, I want to read a proverb that I use personally almost every day. Most of you probably, one of the Proverbs that he wrote was in Proverbs 3. And it says, in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, to trust in the Lord with with all your heart. And it says, and don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, what do you mean by ways? Well, the word way there is, is the word for highway. Okay, so, If you're heading down a road, right, and there's a four-way stop, there are three decisions. One decision you're going to make, but three options. If you come to a fork in the road, there are two options. But with every time you come and every decision you make, it takes you in a direction. So in all of your ways, in all of your roads, in all of your turns acknowledge him and he'll lead, you. he'll lead you right. He'll make your path straight. Guys, I can't tell you how, how through the years I've worn that verse out in pretty much everything I do. I have learned that God, I can, I can trust you. And if I acknowledge you, And if I don't lean to what I want what's for myself or what's best and decisions that I have to make, I remember when I was a parent, you know, I I think a lot of times people thought I knew a lot more than I did. You know how it is parenting. Sometimes it can paralyze you because you want so much to do what's right. But then again, there's huge pressure on you for your kid to be happy, Right? And I remember saying to myself, Lord, with this decision with my kids, I acknowledge you here. Lord, I want to know. I'm not concerned if it's going to make my kid happy or not. God, I just, I've just learned that if I acknowledge you, you're, go- you're going to step in and help me here. All right? In personal decisions, I use this. And the one that I think I use it the most is like doing what I do here at the church. Because I have to make a lot of decisions. And I can't tell you sometimes, you know, sometimes pressure will come from one direction to do this or, you know, and, and I've learned to stop long enough and say, and not do what I want to do. So therefore don't lean to your own understanding, right? But in all your ways, acknowledge him as the Lord, what is it that you want? And I've learned that he'll make that way clear if I acknowledge him. That's what trusting him is. And so through the years, Proverbs three, five, and six has followed me around. But I wanna share with you where that wisdom came from, I believe. It came from Solomon, obviously. But I believe it came through a difficult time in Solomon's life. Because see, Solomon, Solomon began to make a lot of mistakes. Probably the smartest, one of the smartest people who ever lived. And he knew better, but he bought into a lie and he started going some other directions. And so what did Solomon do? Don't you think about this. He turned away from God and started looking to other things. Right? Like so many do today. Like all of us have it done at least once, or if not now, what does that mean? Well, well, yeah, it's okay to have God, but, but then again, you need this and this, and have you, have you tried this, and this will even make you more content? Ha ha ha, it's like a commercial, right? And you know, it's kinda like do the, you know, you know, brush your teeth with this, and you'll date this girl, right? And so, it comes to these thoughts, and it's like, it's just not the truth but it promises much. And so Solomon set out on a a journey to try to fill his life with a lot of different things. And it just wound up making him empty. And this is a guy who'd known what contentment was and he lost it. And if you're here at a point, I tell you, I found that one of the greatest times in a person's life for them to understand who God is, is at a time of, of the greatest discontentment. When a person's walked a road long enough to find out there aren't any answers on this road, that's the time when I think you realize, is there anything in this life that truly can bring that to you? Well, Solomon walked the road, and he recorded his experiences. And that's where we get our book Ecclesiastes from. If you've never known what Ecclesiastes is, it's Solomon's record of everything he tried to fill those places in his life. Other than God. And what happened? By the way, let me tell you this. It is the most depressing book in the Bible. Please do not read Ecclesiastes thinking you're going to get a big uplift. Because it it, it, it is depressing, I remember one time I hadn't been a pastor, but a year, maybe, maybe, maybe a year and a half. And I thought, Hey, I'm going to do a verse by verse series through the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay. I was ready to, I was ready to drown myself by the time we got done with it. Just because, oh, he just keeps on with the depressing, meaningless, meaningless, all is vanity. All is like chasing after the wind. That's where all of those come from, Ecclesiastes. So let's see what he did. Now, I'm gonna have to go a little quicker, all right? Take a look at Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse one. And this is when Solomon, number two, this is Solomon loses focus or Solomon lost focus. And see if you can't relate. Because listen to me. The most miserable people in the world are not people that don't know Christ. The most miserable people in the world are people that do know Christ but are searching for other things because you know what it's like to be content. I'm here to tell you, Solomon was one miserable guy. If you've never been content, then you never know that the possibility of it even exists. But if you have known it at one time and have walked away from it, you are one miserable person. And some of you may be honest enough to say, yep, me, back here, Jeff, over here. This is for you. This is for all of us. There is not one part of this that doesn't fit. And there's not one of us in here that's not susceptible to this. Because if Solomon could fall here, then all of us can. Here, here it is. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. Solomon's words, I said in my heart. It's that voice, not the out loud voice, all right? If you hear those, again, I don't want to know about it. But you know what I'm talking about? That inside voice. And here's what it usually says. You know, you're missing out. You know, this whole God thing. And, and yeah, I know you're happy now, but you're really missing out on being a whole lot happier. Right? And look at everybody around you. You're missing out. And it starts when you're a kid. Right? When you're a kid, again, I don't think this is as big a deal as it was when I was a kid. But this kid would his parents would buy him a new bicycle. You know what I'm talking about? And I was content with my bicycle until the new kid came up with the new bicycle that had everything on it. And all of a sudden my contentment with what I had became discontent. And I allowed something, even when I was a kid. You think, oh Jeff, that's when you were a kid. I'm here to tell you it happens more when you're an adult. You know what I'm talking about. And there's this thing, Solomon said, I said my heart, here we go. Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Okay, first thing he's gonna try is that he is going to take a swan dive into anything that makes him happy. By the way, that is one surefire way to make yourself miserable. But he decided to give it a shot. Anything, anything that brought pleasure, he says, I'm going to do that. And he said, but behold, this was vanity, right? And then he says, it's time to laugh. You know, lighten up, enjoy life. And just let everything be funny, you know, and a big comedy kind of routine. He said, it's mad. And if pleasure, what use of it? So what else did he try? Maybe pleasure, you know, we tried laughter, you know. And, and, and look at the next one. I searched with my heart of how to cheer my body with wine. Okay, so so let, let's try alcohol and drugs. By the way, alcohol is a drug, you do know that. He said, so let's give that a shot. And I want you to hear this, the, the reason that alcohol is so attractive is because it brings a contentment into a person's life. Does that make sense? So Jeff, you shouldn't tell people that. Well, it does, why lie? But it's synthetic, it's not real. So see, then you can have this feel good or this contentment without having to do anything. That's the appeal of it. Problem is, is that when the effects wear off, your, contentment grow, uh, your discontentment grows. And then the greater problem is the diminishing returns. It takes more to get the same effect. And if you head down that road, that's a trap. Everybody knows it's a trap. But every, you know, everybody defends it as, as, anytime you speak out against it, it's incredible how much, how much pushback you get but I want you to see. He says, well, yeah, well, I gave that a try. And it says in my heart, and I want you to understand, he never lost his wisdom. He always understood what he was doing when he did it. He said, my heart, what, look up there. He says, my heart's still guiding me with wisdom. Okay? Now, see what else he did. He says, um, I obviously, how to, to take place. Let's skip down a little bit because we, we, we have to keep moving along. Take a look uh, now, if you will, in, um, in verse... Um, in verse next, all right, verse 4, all right, I, I made great works, okay, here's what's going to really bring life meaning, an achievement, see what it is? I made great works, I built houses, I planted vineyards for myself, I made gardens and parks and planted them with all kinds of fruit trees. So. He poured himself into his work and to see how much achievement and how much he could get through that. And and guys, we all know that to be the truth. If that's what you're counting on, you're gonna be disappointed because no matter how uh, far up the ladder you go, and maybe you may get all the way to the top, we all know what people have said, If if you understand. I had the opportunity to be around a lot of before I came here, a lot of ball players, because I had a lot of ball players for the Bucks um, come to my church when I was in Tampa. And so I got to lot, know quite a few of them. I did a lot of chapels for the Bucks and for the Packers and for the Patriots. I've done chapels, 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 chapels. I don't do it anymore. Uh, it's just way too far over there and it's not going to happen. But when you think on that, I, I used to get in their lives. And you, you look at them and think they're on top of the world. But you're mistaken. All right, The things they struggle with in here. You know what the biggest one is? Is that their entire self-worth is wrapped up in being able to carry a bag of air down a hundred yard field. And then when they don't do it well, they're told how terrible they are. You may think it's awesome, you know, with all the money and attention, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm telling you, it's not what you think it is. And this is what Solomon is trying to tell you. I've immersed myself. You know, I remember seeing a bumper sticker that said, and again, if you have this bumper sticker, you don't have to go rip it off of your car, right? Because <laughs> I understand the sentiment, but it says, get high on sports, not drugs. Okay, well, I'm a guy to tell you. You can get high on sports, but it's going to let you down too. I'm, if you know anything about me, I immersed myself, before I became a believer, in football. All right? It was everything to me. All right? Working out, doing everything. And then three surgeries later, and the neurosurgeon says, I can't play anymore. Now what? You're talking about a crash. Right? And now you gotta go find something else to get high on, if you will, right? See, the highs never last because of what this, because of what Solomon's talking about. Continue to read in verse 7. I bought male and female servants, he said, and had slaves that were born in my house. In other words, he never had to do one thing, somebody waited on him. For everything that he did, right? I also had incredible possessions, herds and flocks. More than anyone who had ever been before me in Jerusalem, I amassed I huge amounts of wealth, okay? Silver, gold, treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, okay? Entertainment, right? Male and female singers, right? Theater, Oh, and so entertainment, he went that route. He pretty much did everything, why? Because he had resources to do anything he wanted to do. He says, and many concubines. What does that mean? Well, I think you know what that means, all right? But if you have other translations, they'll call it a harem. So basically immersed himself into sex, which is what our culture does. Why? Because there's a synthetic, with the sexual relationship, there's a synthetic oneness that listen to me, and you may call this old-fashioned, you can call it whatever you wanna call it, but it is the truth. The sexual relationship is highly destructive in the life of an individual where there is not a strong relationship between the two of you. And it, you're talking about eating away at you. But nobody wants to admit it's eating away at you, but it's, it's how God made it. But Solomon says, well, hey, I'll give that a shot. And he did, right? So I just want you to see, Solomon had the resources to be able to try everything that many of us dream of being able to try, thinking surely that's going to, that's going to bring it. But, but it's like the law of diminishing returns. At first it's pretty cool, it fills that place, right? But then the more you, more you throw yourself into it, the less and less return, diminishing returns. And before, you, before long, if you don't watch it, you don't have it anymore. It has you. And that's where addiction and other things come because addiction comes in all shapes and sizes. Therefore, we become afraid to give something up because I don't have anything else. And it becomes real depressing. That's why this book is so depressing. Okay? He says, so I became great. And I surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem, Solomon sang. And all my my wisdom still stayed with me. And whatever, I want y'all to think about this. Whatever my heart, okay, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. So whatever, Solomon said, I gave everything a shot. Okay, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, okay? For my heart found pleasure in my toil, and this was reward for my toil. I want you to think about this. And then I considered all of my, all that my hands have done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, it is meaningless. Vanity, same thing, just meaningless. Aren't you glad you came today? Because I just want you to see it. I can't tell you because the greater majority of us, the greater 95% of us, think that if we could ever get to a place that Solomon would, it would be different for us. We would be happy. We would find satisfaction and contentment and all that our heart's looking for. If we get, it's not the truth. You're not ever going to find those things in this life. That's why Solomon wrote this book. For those of you who have the wisdom to see it, to say, hey, listen, don't follow the same traps that I have followed. That's interesting. Always manly. Look at this. He says, it's like chasing after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Now, look at, look at chapter 2, verse 17. This is classic. Look at this. So I hated life. Are you kidding me? A guy who had it all could do anything he wanted to do, anytime he wanted to do it, he hated it. Listen, how do you go from being so content to hating life? See, the reason I want to share these things with you Today, I'm just presenting the problem because the one thing I can always talk about that everybody in the room relates with, and it doesn't matter where I go worldwide, everybody relates, is this dilemma I'm talking to you about. But since you were created with eternity in your heart, nothing temporary is is ever going to fill that place. And so we're going to be talking about this uh, in in the coming weeks because I want you to see it. There's whole groups of you in here who you're like Solomon. You remember a time where there was a lot of peace and contentment in your life. But you went running after these other things that you thought were going to do it. And it suddenly left you empty. Eventually, at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, well, here's a summation of the matter. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, right? That's it. Can't you come up with something? Well, he was depressed by the time he finished the book, I think. All right? But he was wise enough to know that I need to write this down for generations to be able to see because it is the truth. It is the truth. So, as I close, Jesus made a statement. Well, Paul said, I have learned that in any circumstance therewith to be content. So Paul learned it. And then Jesus made this statement. He said, I've come that you've, I've come that you have life, that you might have life and that you have it abundantly. Okay. Okay. I've actually had people tell me, Hey Jeff, when does that start? The ones that are honest, where do I get in the abundant line? because I want to get in that line. Well, here's the issue. Anytime you're still chasing all the other stuff, you're going to have a hard time finding the commitment, contentment you're looking for. So then how do I overcome that? Well, that's what we're talking about. The strength to overcome. How do you get there? Because I know you long to get there. Now, if you still think there's answers in some of the other stuff, then I know this sounds bad for me to say, but you just need to go do that other stuff. I know that sounds bad, but I've just found anybody that still thinks that holds the answer, they're not going to listen to you until they get to the end when they're empty like the prodigal son, and then they say, hey, it's not here. But if you still think, you know, that's why sometimes when you're younger, it's real easy. Oh, I still think if I had all this is, okay, well... If you go, just go give it a shot, all right? Like Solomon did, you're gonna find out where it ends. But Jesus offers life and offers it abundantly. Why? Because he offers a relationship. He offers a relationship with God because of who he is and what he did that fills that place. Now, we're always gonna struggle because the sin still lives in us. We'll talk about that later on. I've got to be done, but I so want you to give this to get this. Because if you're a believer here today, look at me. There is no greater testimony that you can have to this world than living content. Because our world doesn't get that. You know, how come you don't? You know, you don't seem to care about what everybody else thinks is important. And it's true, the closer I get to him, the less I need all of the junk that somehow I think can fill this place. Definitely the less I don't have to buy the, I don't have to buy the car because my, my next door neighbor, I don't have to have the new this, I don't have to have the shiny this. Why? Because I'm not looking to those things to come through for me. Now, you need a car, you need other things. Hey, there's nothing wrong with going out and buying a car. Please don't hear me say that. But what I'm saying is, if you're buying thinking it's going to fill places, that's another trap that'll only lead to bankruptcy or at least a whole lot of debt. I think we all know these things. But I want you to experience in Galatians, when it says it was for freedom that Christ has set us free, I don't think you totally know what that means until you've lived in contentment. That's ultimate freedom. And I promise you, it's what you long for. This is what we're gonna be talking about over the next weeks. We're gonna walk through these week by week. What does that look like? What does that look like? Jeff, it sounds like a pipe dream. I know, I know. But Jesus says you'd come that you might have, that you might have life and have it abundantly. You got one of two choices. You can go run after the other stuff. We all know where that ends. I can run after the one that promises you that that'll be it.